With that, I'd like to welcome you all to the Department of Defense's Bloggers Roundtable for Friday, November 21st. My name is William Selby with the Office of the Secretary of Defense Public Affairs, and I'll be moderating the call today. Um, I just want to place a note out to the bloggers who are already on the line. Uh, when you do have a chance to ask a question, we ask that you please uh, state your name and organization. And then also, if you are not asking a question, we ask that you place your phone on mute. Uh, today, we are delighted to have Mrs. Ms. Rosemary Friedis Williams, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Military and Community po Family Policy, Marine Corps Sergeant Major Brian Battaglia, Senior Enlisted Advisor to the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, his wife, Mrs. Lisa Battaglia, and Navy Command Master Chief Petty Officer Terry Prince, National Institute of Health. Uh, they will be discussing strengthening the heart and soul of our military, which is our military families. With that, uh, if you'd like to go in order of the way I, I introduced you with your opening statements, uh, the floor is yours. Uh, greetings, everyone. It's Rosemary Williams. I'm really, really happy to be here. I am actually barging in on the Pataglia's party. Uh, they were kind enough to, <laughs> it's a true story, uh, they were kind enough to invite me along. Uh, we want to cover as much as uh, we can in the short time we're together, so we're really interested in your questions. Uh, I did want to just send out a note to everybody that we're keen on uh, having a safe and happy holiday season. There's a lot of stress around the, um, the holidays, which is unavoidable. And uh, with that, I'm going to promote uh, Military One Source uh, and its call center and resources available uh, for folks who are uh, maybe having a difficult time. They can be caregivers, they can be kids, uh, maybe a spouse of a deployed, or maybe there's just a lot of in-laws in the house, and um, that can have its own stress. But not my house. I love my in-laws. Uh, but again, 800 number, 24-7 uh, help is available for any issue, 12 free counseling sessions per issue per person. So with that, that's the end of my pitch, and I hand it over to the good Sergeant Major. Thanks, Ms. Williams. And welcome, everyone, as well, from Lisa and I. Allow me just to introduce myself as I, you know, kind of new in the game um, with regard to this billet, which is not been in existence for too, too long, and so some of you, uh, besides Amani, may not be, uh, you know, familiar with the Bataglias, much less uh, Sergeant Major in the SEAC billet here. But uh, a little background on me, if, if I can. I, I carry a pretty substantial charter, obviously assigned by, as I advise, both the Secretary of Defense and, and the Chairman. But some of those matters uh, with, written within the charter cover down on health and welfare of the force. Obviously, I'm heavily engaged and delved into transition of our service members and families. That's a very important part of the uh, latter half of a military life cycle. Readiness, of course, comes without saying. Good order and discipline and the profession of arms is always a part of every leader's responsibility, and so it plays into my charter as well. I delve into um, joint education primarily, but uh, education in of itself throughout our enlisted force. You know, this is a learning institution. And um, and then there's something new that the chairman has just uh, released. Uh, it's called the Commitment to Service. And uh, certainly interested in talking to you, all of you all about that if you're interested in hearing. And it's, it's all about giving back to our communities because our communities give back to give to us so much. So... Um, with that, let me stop there, and I will turn it over to my lovely wife, Lisa. Hi, all. This is Lisa Battaglia. Um, I am a uh, 
I'm a Marine veteran. I served uh, a few years with the Marine Corps, and then I met and married my husband, and we've been together for uh, for 28 years now. And uh, gosh, I've been involved with the military family uh, programs off and on, more on than off, <laughs> for probably the whole 28 years. Uh, I'm going to keep this short and just say that I, I want to thank you all for being here and, and uh, writing your great stories that I know you'll do. Okay, Master Chief Prince, over to you, Terry. Hey, everybody. I'm glad to be on board uh, the blog. I'm Command Master Chief Terry Prince. Uh, the only uh, issue, as I'm the senior enlisted advisor to the Defense Health Agency, Vice the National Institutes of Health, maybe someday in my next life I'll be working over there. I don't know. Uh, my job over here at the Defense Health Agency is the Senior Advisor to the uh, Director, General Robb, in developing staff policies and morale, health, training, discipline, and the use of our personnel across the agency. Previous uh, to this assignment, I was the Command Master Chief of the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center at Bethesda. Uh, I've got a pretty good knowledge of uh, the different programs and hopefully the knowledge of the questions that you may have for us. Uh, my wife, Jen, was hoping could join us, wasn't able to because she's brief in the CHAMP program. She was the director of behavioral programs at Camp Lejeune as well, so any questions that I can't answer, I was hoping she'd be sitting here next to me so she could. Uh, I also have a person on my computer online that can help me with any TRICARE-related issues that I can't answer myself. So with that, I appreciate, you being, appreciate being here, and I look forward to the conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you all for your opening statements. Uh, we had first on the line, Nicole Reno, if you could go ahead and uh, state your organization and then ask your question. Uh, Nicole Reno with American Military Partners Association. Um, I lead their, their blog team. Uh, my first question is in relation to what resources are available um, to our members to find out about military spouse employment. Oh, I'll, I'll take a stab at that. Nicole, um, thanks very much for the question, and thank you for your good work with AMPA. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, every resource that's available to Lisa Battaglia is uh, available to our uh, same gender spouses, period, dot. Um, absolutely no change, no shift, no more, no less. Um, and while we're on the topic, we've added a number of uh, resources that pertain directly to same-gender couples in the military um, so they can help navigate military life and whatever unique challenges they face. I hope that answers your question. It, it certainly does. Thank you very much, ma'am. And uh, Phyllis, you are next. Phyllis Simbler-Miller, Mrs. Lieutenant at blogspot.com. I have a question for the Master uh, Sergeant Major. Uh, I know that the Joint Chiefs of Staff is dealing with sexual harassment, and I wanted to know if he's involved with any of those efforts and if he can shed some light on what's been going on. Yes, Phyllis, uh, I certainly can. Thanks for the question. Uh, and in, in short, he, he is involved. Of course, he's our senior military officer in the armed forces, and and this is a... Uh, it, it's it's an all-member uh, challenge. So from the O10 to the E1, we make every attempt to engage everyone in helping with uh, sexual assault and, and uh, sexual harassment within the armed forces. I can personally attest to his, his passion uh, to get our arms around this uh, challenge as I sit on some of the meetings that he leads with regard to um, SAPR and uh, 
his his main um, general officer is uh, is Major General Snow, and he leads the um, Sexual Assault Prevention and Response Unit or Directorate within the Department of Defense. Just recently, you may have caught wind of this um, through social media and otherwise. We just completed through Rand uh, another survey that was targeted toward um, enlisted if you will, around the, the force. And we wanted to, um, again, attempt to peel, you know, this onion back a little bit further and, and gather some data and metrics as to um, how our uh, force, whether it be restricted or unrestricted reporting, is... Um, you know, is going through its uh, behavioral patterns, if you will, and and uh, d- data on that is being developed. You know, as we speak, we, we so we are exhausting. I mean, absolutely every effort to try to uh, get to the left of uh, an incident occurring. It's unfortunate that one does occur. You know, you can have all the mechanisms and techniques in the world for the the court martial the um, the reprimand, but that's all fine and dandy. But if that happens, that, that only means that the incident has already taken place. So our, our first and foremost you know, priority is protecting the victim, but also allowing the alleged perpetrator um, their due justice, you know, because the last thing we want to do is place a commander in a position who has court-martial or Article 15 authority to convict um, an innocent person. And, you know, that, that we wouldn't want to do. And, uh, and so we get a lot of assistance and help from Congress, as you know, with, uh, with the sexual assault and sexual harassment challenge. And you have our word. We're not going to give up. We're going to stay on it on, until, we, uh, until we solve it. Can I hope I that answers your question. Um, can I just ask a clarification? It's still chain of command, right, whereas in other countries they've provided a mechanism where it's not chain of command reporting. Yes, that that's correct. The commanding officer is still involved uh, with regard to the reporting and or adjudication, and we. And why, and why yeah. is that not to be changed? It just seems to be a really not good idea. Yeah. Well, um, there have been recent cases, um, while not getting into any specific details, that our civilian justice system had taking taken a jurisdiction over a case and uh you know the military member had been exonerated of those of those charges what it wasn't the problem or the issue of commanders not taking action it was uh in some cases the the victim waiting so long to report it and thereby you know evidence depletes as time goes on so it's much harder to um have kind of the you know proof or two elements of proof in order to court-martial. And um, and then we, we needed to beef up our investigative techniques. And so we armed um, our investigators, Criminal Investigation Division, NCIS, with, with more uh, expertise in matters of uh, developing evidence through sexual assault cases. So we, we sh- and you should see this uh, before too long in the next uh, big report that's going to go over to the White House, I think, at the turn of the year, as to um, how commanders are, in fact, very, very engaged with uh, wanting to adjudicate 
but if uh, if the evidence is not there, then uh, you know the, it's not that the commander's hand is tied. It's just that uh, the individual is not going to get convicted because the proof is is not in the pudding, if you will. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Sergeant. you're welcome. Thank you. And Amy Bouchatz. Hi, sir. Thanks so much for uh, doing this call with us. Um, my name is Amy. I'm a reporter with Military.com. Um, I was hoping you could help me uh, with a question that has to do with military family finances today. Um, uh, the DOD announced the kind of PN Army news story today that they're expecting an annual savings of about $22 million from cutting the rate of PDY reimbursements. Um, and there's a feeling among military families that this is essentially a savings to the military that is coming out of their own pockets. Um, and I was hoping that maybe you could uh, shed some light on maybe a re reaction to that feeling among families. You bet. Yeah. Um, let me see if we got your question correctly. You're, uh, you're concerned about, uh, within the Department of Defense, but specifically the Army, savings with regard to TDY reimbursements? Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. The DOD said today they expect annual savings of $22 million from the uh, TDY reimbursement cut that they okay. did recently. Um, and so military families have kind of expressed a concern that this is essentially a savings to the military that is coming out of military uh, service members' pockets. Hi, Amy. This is uh, Rosemary Williams. Um, I might be able to shed a, a, a little light on it. There's um, the Army and the other services, although not all just yet, have uh, begun to use uh, cards, credit cards, for – is this what we're talking about? I'm asking, actually. Is this the issue about PCSing and using credit cards in order to save no, money? No, ma'am. It's long-term TDY. Um, oh. The reimbursement rate went down in the beginning of November to – like 25 to 50% less than the previous rate. The idea was to for people to do things like uh, rent cars for a month versus a daily rate or get a long-term um, room versus paying nightly for a hotel room. But the result is often that uh, families feel like they're going to be getting less in TDY payments than they're spending to be somewhere, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I was just wondering if there was a reaction to that. Amy, this is Sergeant Major Battaglia. It, it sort of it sort of does. We're going to take your question and go directly to the Army with regard to it. Um, I would only add that we're always seeking and looking for ways in order to not not cut costs, but use use our expenses in an efficient manner or the taxpayers' uh, money in an efficient manner. And and something that's even personally impacted me for that matter is going TDY is we have, you know, direction from our higher headquarters, as we should always be our own honest broker here, that um, when we go TDY, it needs to be things that are mission essential, not yes, you know, not just, um, you know, a, a part of the mission, but uh, or mission, even mission critical sometimes. And, and so some of those TDY uh, periods, though important, can wait or have another course of action or approach to take in order to complete the uh, you know the the objective for that matter. So you may see um, conferences that were traditionally uh, in, in a brick and mortar style now going by uh, a VTC, and uh, in, in that way it does it does cut some cost. Although you uh, you're never going to beat the face to face uh, engagement, it's it's a way that we can uh, more efficiently maneuver and 
navigate in, uh, in, in a financially strained environment. I hope that partially answers, but let us come back to you with the Army's reply, okay? Thank you, sir. Thank you. And Rihanna. Um, yes, I'm Rihanna Bernard from uh, Homefront United Network, and I am representing a uh, National Guard and Reserve voice, um, specifically when activated. Um, I've been getting a lot of questions and comments and concerns about um, resources provided to specifically your activated troops and their families who are what I would consider remotely located, so not near your standard base with um, commissaries and um, all the other resources um, readily available to them, um, especially when their spouse is activated, deployed, um, also in situations um, where their spouse is wounded. So I'm just kind of curious if this is a topic of conversation, if something has come across your desk recently, or any insights into that specific uh, area of concern. Um, Rihanna, this is Rosemary Williams. Thank you for your question. Uh, we talk about um, uh, uh, geographically dispersed troops constantly. Uh, Reserves, National Guard are especially uh, topics for us, be not, for, not for nothing. Our uh, Undersecretary of Personnel and Readiness is uh, a former TAG, so we can never, ever go into a meeting with her without her asking, so what about the Guard, what about the Reserve? And we're happy to... Um, to answer those uh, questions and her concerns and keep them front of mind. So a couple of things. One, we have um, the National Guard sponsors the Joining Community Forces, and that is a state, uh, while the Army pays for it, the states uh, have family program directors uh, positioned to serve all members of our military community. Uh, and it's a pretty robust network on the state level that then trickles down to the local level. And what they're able to do is whoever knocks on their door, uh, they're able to guide them through education, housing, um, employment, uh, behavioral health, whatever it is they need. Additionally, we have our own, out of DOD, we have the Joint Family Support Program. And what that program does is it places a military one-source counselor, master's level or above, in each state. And this person is on call constantly for any requirements from service members and their families, which includes reserve and National Guard, regardless of activation status, whatever it is they need. And one of their jobs, which is kind of interesting, is that they are given or they get about um, 10, uh, they get local resources and they are vetted by our professional team at Military One Source. And we have vetted over 40,000 local organizations um, for our uh, Reserve Guard and ge geographically dispersed families and, and service members. We vet them because we would love to think that everybody wants to do good work for our community, but you know, every once in a while we get, our, get a scoundrel or two and we want to make sure that um, we have only the highest quality programs. Further, Military One Source, with all its resources and programs, uh, is available to um, all military families regarding activation status. And uh, this includes spouse employment, uh, confidential help that I talked about earlier, uh, help with exceptional family members, elder care, warrior care, it goes on and on and on. And the last thing I'll mention, just because I just saw something on this and it's worth mentioning, we have a really good robust program with the Armed Forces YMCA. And they provide memberships and respite care to our geographically dispersed families uh, and service members free of charge. And this was a program that should have gone away. It ran out of, ran out of um, 
funding. I'm looking for a different word, but I might as well just say it. It ran out of funding. And we, 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 we looked between the cushions of the, you know, in the, in, on the couches and found some more money and was able to make it run until March. And, I, and so we still have that until March, and we're really killing ourselves to find a way to make that to go past March, um, even though the funding has ended, because we do find that a lot of people use it and enjoy it. So that's sort of a that's sort of a quick environmental scan, but I hate to sound like a broken record. If you go to Military One Source, you will see or call just call one of the counselors and ask them what's available, and you'll be you'll be surprised at how much is available. Now, one thing about this uh, the confidential help, if someone calls Military One Source or one of our um, Joint Family Support Program folks and say, "Look, I." I need to get my family in front of somebody. We're having anger management issues here, or we're having trouble reconnecting, or whatever it is. Financial readiness is a huge issue, and we have um, personal financial counselors for that. Whatever it is, no matter where you live in um, in the country, we are guaranteeing that help is no more than 30 minutes away. The average is actually three minutes. No, I got that wrong. The average is actually 3.2 miles. And if you drive really fast, that's three, that's three minutes. But <laughs> the, so while it's guaranteed within 30 minutes, it's um, really about 3.2 miles away. So I hope you all can see now why we invited Dazdy Williams to come down here, just, you know, by the, the substance of her, her reply. And, uh, I'm like the dinner guest that won't go away or shut up. <laughs> as valuable, no, as valuable as that was. Terry, do you have any, um, any comments you'd like to make with regard to um, guard affiliation and, and a, a medical standpoint? Yeah, I'm glad you asked, Sergeant Major. We got a, a fantastic TRICARE website. And uh, what you do is you go in and you can clean. It has a drop-down menu, and it specifically there is, I'm looking at it right now as we speak, specifically ask what unit you're with. Are you activated guardsman? Are you a guardsman of a family member? And then you can actually search for what you're covered for. So if you have a question, the most viewed being preventive medicine, maternity, things of that nature. Uh, I think we're very robust, and the Thank best you. part is we have a TRICARE, you know, a tele-1800 TRICARE number that we use. Uh, to ask any other questions, we have TRICARE Regional. I have a senior enlisted at each of the TRICARE offices as well who assists family members of active duty and guard members to navigate their way through the TRICARE system. Um, I will say that um, kudos to you all there because TRICARE is really the one area of my uh, experience as far as the military spouse goes where we have had absolutely zero problems as a National Guard family. So um, thank you for that. Well, thank you. For, um, I guess our work is done here. Then, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'm. I guess I'm speaking more. I guess I should get more detailed. Um, so, up until three years ago, we were remotely located through a 10-year activation, um, and now we have gone inactive, um, and we are in the D.C. area. And so, it's not for lack of trying, um, but. I will say that for those 10 years there where we were in Nevada, um, the availability of programs and support um, was probably close to nothing. So I guess I'm just wondering of you from the top if this is something that people are aware of or, I mean, I've used Military One Source. They are so wonderful. Um, but there are many other areas um, 
where the guard is lacking even as recently as three years ago. So I'm just kind of curious specifically about that. Um, well, Rihanna, I, I can say from the from the very very top, as you alluded to, General Grass, uh, you know, is now part of the yeah, uh, Joint yeah. Chiefs, and he sits at the table, and in all matters discussed around the total force, he is he is brought into every one of those decisions. Some things surely apply only to the active component, but a lot of other things reply apply to the the Guard and Reserve. Uh, most things, if not nearly all, apply to everyone. And uh, and so the, the you know the the guard uh, have no fear is a lifelong member of of our total team. Uh, we couldn't have done it without them. As a matter of fact, you know we we know that the part they play not just overseas but rather um, the risky business they take just with natural disasters in the country, as you can see happening in Buffalo, New York right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so they're always on a job, and we're always going to look out for them and uh, want it to be transparent regardless of category. So when you look at a soldier or an airman, you don't know whether they're active reserve or guard. Mm -hmm. thanks, for, thanks for the nice compliments um, about Military One Sauce and TRICARE as well. Thanks, Rihanna. And uh, Amani, uh, did you have any follow-up questions? Uh, actually, no. It was a, this is very thorough, so I, I actually got everything that I needed. All right. Well, we'll go back around to uh, Nicole. Uh, yes, I have a question. Uh, I don't know who's going to be able to answer this, um, but for our members, especially um, our lower enlisted, um, they don't have command sponsorship in places like Korea and Germany, um, and it is proving to be financially and emotionally taxing. Um, what information or update can you provide on this issue? I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. Nicole Reno with AMPA. Yeah, sorry, Nicole. Okay. Yeah, funny you should mention that because um, just uh, just yesterday, this was uh, part of a discussion, and um, we know that we can, as a, as a force, get better with command sponsorship, and um, our relocation offices uh, throughout the bases, posts, and installations are one of those areas where we are asking ourselves if that capability is, you know, got bang for the buck. And and we'll find out in due time now, but we uh, we know that our command sponsor programs um, have have um, are not as effective as they used to be. I think when I when I and, and part of that is probably Thanks for bringing it up, too, because I'm, I'm going to go out and pulse some of the junior enlisted as well. Some of us, you know, at this level have, like for Lisa and I, this is our 17th home. So PCS to us is is kind of like a, a natural um, mechanism in our body clock. And, you know, you, you, do it, you do it once, twice, three times, and it becomes a little more natural versus the in your case, Korea, where a junior listed, it might be his or her first PCS move, and, and it's pretty significant, right? And, and if we get it wrong, then it just means the more stressors that are placed on a family. So, I, so I'm going to go out and, and pulse the uh, the enlisted force. As a matter of fact, I'm going to Korea in February, and, and it's one of the one of the things I'm certainly going to ask about. Um, but I hope this gets to your your concern that uh, command sponsors are not 
not where they uh, should be because they're you know not where they used to be. Does that does that hit the sweet spot in any way? It it does, and I I think over time, like you stated, uh, it will get better and um, more effective. And I know um, our junior enlisted, um, as they see progression towards a solution, um, it may make them feel a little bit easier. And it also provides us a way to answer spouses' questions when they say, "Well, I can't go. I have to stay behind. Now what?" So uh, thank you so much for for answering that for me. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. And, you know, with, with the reshaping of our force, there there can be some expectations now that some of the, the transfers and PSC, PCS moving may not be as frequent, although each of the services will have a different frequency as, uh, as, it, as it used to be. And um, I'm open to any ideas or suggestions you have as to how to make our command sponsorship in any area of the of the globe that we send service members to how, how can we make it better i mean you're on the receiving end and if you felt the impact of the decisions that we made or the decisions that we didn't make then uh, I, i'm all ears okay thank you so much you're welcome thank you sergeant major uh phyllis you're back yeah no further questions thank you Roger that. amy uh, hi yes uh much. I actually had a, a follow-up to the um, question from uh, the AMPA representative just a moment ago. Um, I'm wondering if there's been any movement to change the status of forces agreements with some of these countries that currently do not allow specifically same-sex spouses to be um, on bases there. Uh, and I'm wondering if there's been any movement to um, expand the number of bases that do allow uh, same-sex spouses to be stationed with their um, service members. Overseas. Thank you. Well, th thank you. And uh, the last bit of exposure I had, this is Sergeant Major Battaglia, with regard to um, some allowance from those nations is the nation gets a vote. And, uh, and it, I mean, it, you, you know that. And, and so the we're not going to put any family, same sex or otherwise, into some sort of restrictive jeopardy just for the purpose of assigning that individual to that area or family to that area we will either you know opt or choose to make it a unaccompanied tour or you just choose someone else but uh, this will take some time you know and, and there are some countries who don't recognize uh, same-sex couples as others and we're going to have to play to some degree by their rules the the issue of nations being readdressed and socialized with their leadership um, uh, surfaces, you know, frequently. I'd like to say it comes up for readdressal uh, once a quarter. Don't quote me on that, but once a quarter, and um, you know, and it's it's baby steps. So from the last time I remember seeing the list to the most recent time, there have been some countries that initially um, didn't say no, or we haven't submitted to them yet. For a modification to the sofa, and um, and so progress uh, overall. I hope that answers your question. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Rihanna. Back to you. Um, no further questions. Roger that. Did anybody else have any follow-up questions? Roger that. Well, with that, I'd like to thank everybody for your participation on the Bloggers Roundtable today. Sergeant Major and um, Mrs. Battaglia, thank you very much for your time. Ms. Williams, thank you. And, and also Master Chief Petty Officer uh, Terry Prince. If you have any closing statements, uh, the floor is yours. I think we'll, um, we'll provide some 
small closing statements, if that's okay with everyone else. Terry, uh, you want to take a shot first and, and close out? Absolutely. Thank you, Sergeant Major, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to get over there to see you today. General Rob baked up a nice turkey for the team here at EHA. We'll be I, right over. Yeah, there's plenty of food left over, believe me. I just wanted to put in a plug for health and readiness. Uh, you know, here at the uh, Defense Health Agency as part of health.mil, we're really talking about and living uh, Operation Live Well, and we want to get this out to all the family members and service members across our armed forces, and we're focusing on integrative wellness, physical activity, sleep, nutrition, tobacco-free living, and mental wellness. Uh, very, very amazing program started by the Department of Defense and picked up even further by Dr. Woodson, our boss, as we're doing a healthy base, in, base initiative at over 18 sites across the DOD. Uh, we've got a wonderful website. Our Operation Live Well website has a, a plethora of information. I'd also like to thank the caller for the comment about TRICARE, and I already spoke to the wonderful team that we have at our TRICARE offices here at the DHA and around the world. And, uh, again, thank you for what you do, and uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, Rosemary Williams, just want to thank you for your time again and put another plug in for Military One Source, your bloggers, which means your influencers which means people are listening and reading. And if you can just remind them of the remarkable resources available to them, especially the 24-hour, seven-day-a-week um, uh, confidential help, that would be really, really helpful for our entire military community. Right before the call started, we were talking about transition, and um, we, we don't want to underemphasize or let the call go by without talking about the importance of preparing for a transition, no matter where you are in, in the uh, military life cycle. It's never too early. Isn't that right, Sergeant Major Pataglia? Exactly right. And Lisa? <laughs> no, you know, transition, everyone, uh, as you, sh you all should know, uh, maybe being military spouses uh, yourselves or, or veterans, it it's a family affair, and, um, and it really needs to be treated that way. And, and so we're proud of this transition GPS program that's, that's recently been rolled out in, in the past uh, couple of years where it will better prepare our service members and families for this transition, whether that be separation or retirement. It's called Transition GPS, and, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to be involved with it. I've seen both sides of where it used to be and where it is now and can tell you that um, this will have a, uh, what I'm expecting to be a pretty significant impact in setting, setting successes for service members to become very, very productive members of society once that reintegration takes place. Again, that's regardless of whether they are active guard or, or reserve. If you want to find uh, out more about it, I, I would certainly encourage that. You can uh, use my Facebook site. I think that's the facebook.com, CACJCS, possibly. But we'll hang some things on there from time to time about separation and, uh, and our new transition program. We're, again, we're very, very proud of it, and it leads service members, transitioning service members, for that matter, into uh, three voluntary tracks, and one of those tracks being accessing higher education, another track mean, being uh, they have a desire just to enter the workforce, and, and the most newest track, which came from service members themselves, is entrepreneurship. You know, we never used to, used to even um, uh, delve into recommending to a service member of opening up their own business, but uh, that seems to be a, a pretty hot uh, appetite, and uh, it, whether it be individual or with somebody's wingman or, or battle buddy, 
and so uh, transition GPS, that's the magic word. We, um, we're very, very proud of it. And thanks again for this uh, Bloggers Roundtable. We, we really enjoyed ourselves today, and it's a great step into, uh, into Thanksgiving. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to each and every one of you all, and uh, look forward to another Bloggers Roundtable in the near future. Roger that, Sergeant Major, and thank you very much. And you you hit the nail on the head with your uh, Facebook site. It is facebook.com backslash SCAC.jcs. <laughs> That's pretty uh, a pretty long one, but luckily uh, we're friends or uh, fans on that site, so I, I picked that right up, so make sure we had it right. Um, thank you, everybody, for, for your time today on this Bloggers Roundtable. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to email me, and I will forward them up the chain. Otherwise, you can get on dodlive.mil, and there will be a full audio of this uh, call. So you can